News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Republicans have decided to praise property tax increases. Our governor wants you to wear masks in your backyard. And one Democrat candidate for state office believes that young boys cross-dressing on cinematic theaters is a beautiful thing. Those are just a couple of the things we're going to cover today on the Luke Messiah Show. This is episode 79. For those of you who haven't watched last week's with Brian Slayton, I would really encourage you to. I think you will really enjoy it. I want to get directly into this week's news update. There is so much going on, guys, to be honest. I'm going to give you an update, but it's not going to cover everything that's happening. Um, First and foremost, I want to talk about Republicans being so desperate for a win that they are willing to praise property tax increases. Uh, This started when the city of Pflugerville increased their property taxes 3.5%. Now, I want to back up and explain this to you for just a second. We passed property tax reform this session, which said that any increase of your property tax bill over 3.5% by a city or a county had to receive the support of the voters. It had to go to the ballot box and you had to vote on the property tax increase. And this is effectively a cap because the truth is if your city council puts on the ballot, hey, we'd like to raise your property taxes 5%, you're probably not going to vote for it. So this is an effective cap, a cap that has been put in jeopardy by our governor. See, we put language in the bill. Republicans put language in the bill that said, The 3.5% cap does not apply to the city if there's a time of disaster declared by the governor. And our governor, as we've covered extensively on this podcast, has decided that Texas is in a perpetual state of disaster. In fact, he has declared a state of disaster or an emergency, a state of emergency every 30 days. And this is um, according to you know the law that he was given to cover disasters, right? So the governor is saying, well, I have this authority to cover disasters, so I'm going to declare an emergency and then say that it gives me the carte blanche authority to pass laws with a stroke of a pen until the legislature reconvenes in 2021. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that the cities are saying, well, if you're willing to pervert the law in order to give yourself more power. We would also like to pervert the law to give ourselves more power. And they are doing so. Many cities are saying, well, since the governor has declared this emergency in a time of disaster, we are going to increase our property taxes more than three and a half percent, and we're not going to let the voters vote on it. And two voices which have been strong on this issue are Representative Dustin Burroughs and Paul Betancourt. And first, let me tell you, I mean, I've been very critical of Dustin Burroughs because he lied to all of Texas. He lied to all of his colleagues. He tried to hide uh, his involvement with a corrupt speaker regime. But the one thing Dustin Burroughs has been pretty good on is property taxes. And the one thing that Paul Betancourt, I can tell you, Paul Betancourt has been fantastic on a lot of issues. So I want to say that before I go into uh, a rather, I think, clear criticism of him is that Paul Betancourt is, is one of the best state senators we have. I think It's clear that the best state senator we have is Bob Hall. Everyone understands that if you're a conservative Republican. But Paul Betancourt is is one of the top state senators we have. He has been fantastic across the board on conservative policies. And without him, we would not even have the property tax cap, which would be in place were it not for our power-hungry governor. But we 
that being said, the city of Pflugerville. So, so let me back up again. I'm sorry if I keep going off on random side roads. That's sometimes what you get to deal with, uh, with my brain, but, uh, Paul Bettencourt and Dustin Burroughs have been critical of many cities who are trying to increase their property taxes more than three and a half percent without voter approval. And they have been doing everything they can to try to publicly say this is a problem right now. The governor could actually sign something into law because he says he has supreme power that says cities can't do it, but he hasn't done that. Uh, The governor could also just call the legislature back so we could rewrite this law to say that when the governor decides to use ultimate power and authority as an executive overreach, that doesn't also give cities the ability to do the same thing. But he won't do that either. So um, the city of Pflugerville decided to raise their property taxes 3.5%. Now, understand that we are in an unprecedented time of of an economic freeze imposed by the government massive problems of unemployment across our state, a budget shortfall that is looming. And by the way, a budget shortfall means that Texans have less money. Okay. This is not the government has less money. They have less money because you have less money because we have less money because all of us have less money. Okay. I, uh, one of the things I do is real estate investing and, and we run some short-term rentals and those short-term rentals are not getting booked a lot. Why? Because people are not traveling a lot. So that is money that is not coming into the account. And guess what? That's hotel motel taxes that I'm not paying to the city. That is sales tax revenue. That's not being generated. The velocity of money has slowed down. So governments have less money because we all have less money. But remember, when government has less money, they don't really view it as you having less money. They go, we have a problem. How do we fix it? And they try to get more of your money, even though you have less money to give them. So the city of Pflugerville says, we're going to raise our property taxes 3.5%, probably because they didn't want to deal with the potential legal ramifications and everybody's pissed off about it. So they say, we're going to increase property taxes 3.5%. And Paul Betancourt tweets out, Thank you, Pflugerville City Council, for giving your taxpayers a break by unanimously adopting a proposed tax rate of of 0.4863, which represents a 3.5% revenue increase. At that point, uh, Kevin Roberts, who heads up Texas Public Policy Foundation, replied, a fantastic example. And then Dustin Burrow said, good news. Glad they didn't take the bait and try to deprive voters of their right to vote on increases over 3.5%. Okay, so Republicans, conservatives, limited government people, here's what we need to understand. If we are applauding a tax increase, we are saying that government is not big enough. Government needs more of people's money. When we call a 3.5% increase giving taxpayers a break, we've already lost the battle. We're literally saying thanks for not taking more of what you could have taken. You're taking more of their money, but you're not taking as much as you could have taken, which means we've already ceded the ground. We've already ceded the ground to say basically conservative means only raising property taxes 3.5%. The head of the largest think tank in Texas says this is a fantastic example, but I don't understand how it could be a fantastic example. Of what? Of property tax increases of 3.5%. So if they had raised it 5%, 7%, that would have been a bad example. But 3.5% 
is a good example. When unemployment is increasing in your city, when people have less money to pay their property tax bills, you're going to increase their property taxes. And conservative Republicans are going to tell you it is a good idea, a great example, giving your taxpayers a break. And that is not true. I have been talking about, for the last couple of years, the massive identity crisis going on in the Republican Party of Texas and the conservative wing of the Republican Party of Texas. And this is another example of it. You know, my goal from now till November is to spend most of my time talking about Democrats. And we're going to get to Democrats here in just a second. But the problem is that Republicans are ceding so much ground that they are discouraging so many conservatives from wanting to keep them in power. We are literally running on a platform that says, vote Republicans in power, your taxes will only go up 3.5% a year, and we will clap along the way. That is not what property taxpayers need. They don't have enough money to pay the taxes that you want them to pay. They cannot feed the beast enough to keep the beast of government content. So stop feeding it. We should be applauding cities who reduce their property taxes. We should be applauding small cities that have no property taxes. That's what we should be pointing to, saying this city is run solely on sales tax. What a testimony. Not this city raised people's property taxes, but not as much as they could, so therefore we will applaud them. It's a bad idea. Now, why is the governor not saying anything, good or bad? Well, the reason is, is because the only reason that cities have the authority to increase taxes above 3.5% is because he's given it to them. He took an act in the Constitution that was designed for natural disasters and decided to pervert it to give himself unilateral power for 30 days at a time. He has said, I can constantly declare Texas in a state of an emergency, which was power given to me for the sake of a hurricane. And for a year, a full year, I can basically rule over Texas and pass whatever law I want with an executive order with no legislative oversight. It's why several Republicans are suing him because of these abuses. So why are we surprised that cities are saying, hey, a little carve-out that was meant solely for little natural disasters, we can pervert to give ourselves the ability to increase their property taxes. They're doing the exact same thing. Attitude reflects leadership. The leadership at the head has said, twist the laws to give yourself as much authority as you think you need to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So guess what? All of our local officials are going to do the same thing. Instead of speaking out on property taxes, which I understand why Governor Abbott can't do, he's instead saying that masks are going to be in place. Mask mandate's going to be in place until there is a cure or a vaccine. It's a scary situation. In fact, at some point, uh, this was in Lubbock, Governor Abbott uh, talked about the need to wear masks in your own backyard. Um, I don't know if there's... A ton, y'all need me to opine on this. I just explained to you exactly what his perspective is. Uh, one would assume that a vaccine mandate of some sort is something that the governor is seriously contemplating because the approach he's taken is I'm going to mandate that you wear a mask until there's a vaccine, 
which would make sense that then he would say, now I'm going to mandate that you take the vaccine, so that's good for you. Which, by the way, this vaccine might not have even been tested on rats, for all we know, because we're creating a vaccine in like six months. Um, we'll get more into that. We'll have other people on that will talk about the process of creating a vaccine and how this has been tested and other stuff whenever we eventually point to the one vaccine that evidently Governor Abbott says is the key to him. Not The only way I'm going to not tell you to wear your mask is once I tell you to put this vaccine in all your kids and yourself and your spouse. Let's move on to the next thing. So Bob Hall, Senator Hall, has been leading the charge. If you don't follow him on Facebook, go follow him on Facebook, follow him on Twitter. He has been putting out some phenomenal content from frontline doctors who are treating COVID actively, have treated thousands of patients, and they're sharing their testimonies of the successes of their treatment regimens, including hydroxychloroquine and zinc and several other medications that they're involved with. And some of these doctors are being now abused by the Texas Medical Board, a board that is responsible for regulating our medical doctors. And they are now attacking these doctors for successfully treating and saving lives of COVID patients. And Senator Hall recently said that there is no movement from our state to help coronavirus doctors facing suppression. It's an incredibly unfortunate reality. Uh, We talk about the deep state on the federal level, right? But on the state level, we have our own deep state. And it's tolerated by Republicans because the reality is Republicans hold the House, Republicans hold the Senate, Republicans hold the governorship and every other statewide office. And yet this kind of persecution persists. It's a problem. It would be good if Republicans over the next several months would maybe come out and explain how they're going to solve that problem if they are given the privilege of continuing to govern in the majority. By the way, if any of you out there thinks that this is not a real possibility that Democrats take the Texas House, you're wrong. Understand this. If any of you think that there is not a real chance that Democrats will control the Texas House at the end of November, you're wrong. Wake up. Understand that it, we're in an incredibly important election. And it's incredibly important for you to get out and encourage your friends to get out and vote all the way down the ballot because Democrats are working their tails off to keep or to take the Texas House of Representatives. Okay. Rebecca Belmetero, this is somebody I'm very familiar with. The very first campaign I ever ran was in 2010. I went to Ken Mercer, who was on the State Board of Education, and, uh, and asked him, I have a fidget thing, by the way, in case for those of you who see the video, I think one of my friends got me this because they were tired of me, you know, I don't know, fidgeting all the time. Um, back in 2010, Ken Mercer, I went to Ken actually, and he was being primaried by the establishment. And I said, hey, I think you're under attack. And I was 19 at the time. It was 2019. I said, I'd like to help you get reelected. And he said, great. Um, I said, how much money do you have? He said, like nothing. And I said, great, I'll run your campaign for free. And I did. And we got out there and we worked really hard. We got out, spent four to one. And he got over 60% of the vote. We beat Tim Tuggy, who was a lobbyist who the establishment Republicans had recruited to try to get rid of Ken Mercer on the State Board of Education because he was holding the line and ensuring that we had better curriculum that was less 
entrenched or ingrained or filled with leftist garbage. And moderate Republicans didn't really like that idea. Remember, they are not necessarily for pushing all of the leftists garbage on your kids, but they like sitting on the sidelines and watching it happen. So much so that they will even go after people that are trying to keep that from happening. So we win, and then in the general election, we face Rebecca Belmetero. And she had been running for this position on the State Board of Education for, I don't know, I guess over a decade now. Or a decade. So she is a professor at Texas State. And if you want to know what she researches... She researches gender roles, films, celebrity studios, transgender and disability studies. So gender roles, film, celebrity studies, transgender and disability studies. Texas State University is is a state university. This isn't a private university. This is your taxpayer money paying this person to study all the things she studies. It's an absolute waste of taxpayer money. It's disgusting. In 1985, she published a book titled Hollywood Androgyny about films that feature instances of cross-dressing, transvestitism, and every kind of gender bending. So if you're wondering how prophetic this woman is, she is like the or in the 80s she's seeing where we are today and trying to encourage all of the sexual revolution. This is the Democrats' choice for the State Board of Education. But she says some interesting things in this book. In multiple sections of her book, and this is a report by the Texan, by the way, Daniel Friend, I believe. Let me just make sure here. Oh, Brad Johnson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brad. Okay. Uh, I don't want to give some other random reporter credit. So Brad Johnson writes this. Um, In multiple sections of her book, Bell Metero discusses cross-dressing in films and how the practices in her mind call into question arbitrary gender norms. This is a quote from her book. When viewers from a wider spectrum of society appreciate a film that celebrates cross-dressing, this indicates not only that the film has an intrinsic emotional appeal, but that the general audience is ripe for the message of sexual variation and tolerance, she writes. That actually makes sense. In, In... essence she's saying that when you stick garbage in front of you it begins to desensitize you to that same garbage Belmetero then adds the film that successfully depicts sexual role reversal leads the viewers to explore the hidden other within and in so in doing so make us realize that many of the boundaries are arbitrarily imposed why do we have these boundaries around sex not based on thousands of years of human history of understanding what is good and the negative ramifications of a completely unmoored sexual reality? No. It's just because there's these arbitrarily imposed boundaries that we don't understand until we put a bunch of sexual role reversal leads in front of us and then we realize, wow, there was no reason for any of these limits in the first place. She then discusses a film in 1971 writing that they featured beautiful boys made up just enough to highlight their loveliness and enhance their homosexual allure. Tying the two passages together, Belmetero continued, few cinematic experiences appeal more to our sense of delight 
in viewing the fantasies of childhood than does cross-dressing, the childhood thrill of experimenting with the father's tuxedo or the mother's lingerie reemerges when we witness actors and actresses playing with sexual identity through clothing reversals. This is the Democrat Party's nominee for the State Board of Education who will decide what content goes in to the sex education curriculum of public school students. If she gets elected, you should probably take your kids out of public school if you haven't done so already. This is incredibly dangerous. They know exactly what they want to do to society, and they're effectively doing it. And we need to wake up, and we need to fight it. Are we going to win? Maybe. Might we lose? Likely. Is it worth doing? Absolutely. Is silence in hopes that we keep enough power to maybe keep them from doing it a good idea? Definitely not. I hope you've enjoyed this update, and I'm sorry to leave you on such a perverse, uncomfortable note. But I will say this. Uh, Luke Messiah show has gone really well, and I'm so grateful for so many of y'all who have been supporting our show and sharing it and listening to it. Uh, we're going to have several different changes in the show coming up in the next several weeks that we will be announcing. And I think, on, uh, I will say this, only changes that will allow our message to get to even more Texans and we are really excited about all of those changes. So please uh, follow us the next couple of weeks. You'll have some com- coming updates. Um, guys, we are in the middle of a battle. And I am so grateful that I get to be in this battle with each and every one of you. Patriotic Texans who understand uh, that we're in the middle of a war. And in a war time scenario, it requires uh, militant activists. Activists who are willing to stand up, step out, and risk something. So let's wake up. Let's get engaged. Let's get involved. Thank you. God bless you.